0: Welcome to Hear Me Out. I'm your host, Celeste Headley. This week is all about animals. Slate.com is doing a special column all week where we'll dish out advice on all things pet ownership. And it's called, get ready, faux paws. At Hear Me Out, we thought we'd take this opportunity to talk through a major controversy in the pet world. Outdoor cats. Both sides of this argument tend to get very heated. There are those who say outdoor cats are an ecological disaster, killing off native wildlife and putting cats in danger too. But our guest today argues it's not that simple. Cats can live outside and there is a place for them. Animal activist and podcast host Stacy LeBaron joins us in just a moment. Stay with us. Welcome back to Hear Me Out, I'm Celeste Headley. This week, Slate.com is asking expert pet owners to answer your trickiest pet questions. We're calling it Faux Paws, and it offers all the advice you need to live happily with the beloved beasts in your home. You can find all of the Faux pas content online at Slate.com. Hear me out, look, we had to be part of this because let's be honest, a lot of people feel very passionately about their pets people have strong opinions. So this week, we bring you a spicy take from the world of critters, and more specifically, the world of cats. You have probably seen articles over the past few years about the damage outdoor cats do to the environment. Domestic cats have caused the extinction of at least 33 different species, and they are more likely to expose humans to rabies than wildlife. But this is a really contentious issue in animal rights circles, and it's one of those issues that affects all of us. If you live with a feline escape artist, perhaps, or near a neighborhood stray, maybe you have a garden box that's become litter box, or you love birds, outdoor cats matter to you on some level. And our guest today argues that with proper management, outdoor cats are not just a blip on the environmental radar, but it's good for us and for kitties to have them around. Stacy LeBaron is an animal activist and host of the Community Cats podcast. Hi, Stacy. Hello. Thank you for having me. It is great to have you. So first, could you tell um, our listeners, what is it that you do? So I'm the
1: host of a show, Community Cats Podcast. Uh, we've been around since 2016. We um, just had our 500th episode. And we're all about assisting folks how Congrats. to uh, to turn their cats, uh, their passion for cats into action. That's our tagline, is how to turn your passion for cats into action Uh, I've been involved in animal welfare since uh, 1994, and it's ended up here with this podcast. We do 26 online educational events to help folks get the tools that they need to be able to improve the lives and be able to care for cats in their community, indoors or outdoors, regardless. Okay. So what
0: is a community cat?
1: So I define a community cat as basically any cat that's outdoors with four paws on the ground. So it's really <laughs> a cat that is just has some part of their life ex- out in the outdoors exposed. So there are many people who take their cats out on leashes and that, that's part of the community. They are out there. They're out and about and in the community. Um, and that's how I, I define it. Uh, simply, we're just trying to get resources to all of those cats that, that need any sort of help that they might get. Many of those cats aren't spayed or neutered. And so that's usually our primary focus.
0: Okay. So spay and neuter, that sounds to me like you are part of the group that believes in TNR, trap, neuter, release. Is that correct? Uh, Yes.
1: We call it trap, neuter, return. Okay. And then there's also other parts of the country call it uh, TNVR, trap, neuter, vaccinate, return. And then there's other lingo, which is TNRM, which is trap, neuter, return, manage. Um, And so there's a Lingo, unfortunately, can kind of get us all wrapped up. But at the end of the day, we want to make sure the cats are fixed.
0: Okay. And that's because you don't dispute the fact that having um, cats outside can have a damaging impact on the environment. Or do you? So,
1: I mean, I can just share from my own personal experience what we had in um, Newburyport, Massachusetts, back in 1992. We had 300 cats living in a very small area of the Newburyport waterfront, touristy area. Um, One of the litters of kittens that were born there had tested positive for rabies. There were another person who was abusive to a group of cats that had wintered in their boat. Um, There was disease. There was overpopulation. And you know, an organization came in, they removed the cats, they euthanized cats from a, uh, a dumpster area. And two years later, the same number of cats were back at that area. So that's why in 1992, a trap-neuter return program was established with 14 feeding stations. And I will go fast forward here to the end of the story. The punchline is by 2008. Uh, The last cat passed away. There are no more cats on the Newburyport waterfront and all 14 feeding stations are fully closed. Um, So I feel like with a proper trap neuter return program with a management component, you can reduce your cat overpopulation situation, or you can reduce the number of cats in your community so that then everybody is is cared for. It's a humane cat community is sort of what I look forward to.
0: So, I mean, that's a... Really successful uh, TNR program. But it it also sounds like you're saying yes to my question that you do uh, admit that overpopulation of outdoor cats can have a damaging impact on the environment.
1: I think it's true with any species out there that if you have a situation with animals that are overbreeding, same situation with dogs. If you, you know, there are parts of the country where there are free roaming and feral dogs. Also, so I'd say it's this fine balancing act that we have with regards to all species. And I'm, I'm going to say that there are situations as you would have, you know, a 500 square foot house with 80 cats living in it. That's not a healthy situation. And, you know, in the external environment, if you have a feeding source that allows for a lot of cats that are not sterilized, that's going to be a problem for sure.
0: So then, I I present to you it as a counterpoint here the story of Tibbles, which you may know. Tibbles the cat, uh, in the nineteenth century, went with her owner to a very pristine and untouched island near New Zealand, and that one cat, single-handed, well, single paw, idly. <laughs> caused the extinction of a a specific kind of wren there. It's a a little bird found in that part of the world. Just that one cat. Um, Meaning that even if you did use a, a TNR program, Tibbles may have been fixed. You still will have cats out there who alone can do major impact on at least the the bird population, but even small mammals, which of course has ripple effects in an environment, right? If there are animals that are part of a seed dispersal um, ecosystem or, or things like that, one cat alone can have a massive impact on the population of critters around them. So certainly
1: it's again, that balancing act that happens. So cats also are a barrier, a protective barrier. When you have spayed and neutered and vaccinated cats, community cats out there, they are protective barrier um, from a public health standpoint with regards to other uh, animals that do carry rabies. And so again, it's a balancing act as to how to Um, protect all the communities to their best efforts. At the end of the day, I will tell you that if your colonies are all spayed and neutered and ear tipped, you are going to be successful um, in reducing some of these issues. one question I get all the time in the communities where there aren't that many community cats anymore is how do you handle the rat population? So there's like this, if then statement that always goes on. So if you remove the, you know, we have conversations around coyotes. If you're, you're talking about the extended rat growth in your community. So there's just a huge amount of a balancing act. And certainly talking about birds that the, uh, the challenges for birds is, there are a lot of other situations out there where birds are at risk also, certainly human-made concerns that are out there. Um, in terms of tibbles, you know, tibbles was a vector, certainly. Um, and and I think that when you are talking about island populations, I, you know, I certainly think that there are concerns out there um, to to ensure that there are balancing acts um, with regards to that. Spay-neuter will ultimately reduce your cat population, your outdoor cat population owned people, folks do, you know, people who own cats do let their cats outside though. So, you know, I don't envision a world where we're going to have all of our cats removed from the outdoor environment.
0: So, I mean, it sounds like you're saying cats should not be out Doors, perhaps, in areas where there are the presence of maybe a, a small threatened
1: population or
0: endangered species. Yeah, if
1: you're yeah. doing a, a uh, you know some sort of a, uh, a protected area, and there was a study done in uh, Portland, Oregon, by the Portland Audubon, looking at a protected area. There's an island um, right outside of Portland, and half of it's like a refuge area. The other half of it is where there's community and houses. And they were looking to find out how their impacts were with regards to the bird population. And the the community cats are living where the people are. So if you have an, an area where there aren't houses, Winnebago's driving on the beach and that kind of thing there that you'll find the community cats are, will move where the people are. I mean, and that makes sense. That's usually where the food sources are over 50% of the population feed cats that they don't know who who's the owner of. So, you know, where the people are, the cats will travel.
0: I mean, but cats kill the estimate. I mean, we don't actually know how many uh, feral cats there are. I've seen estimates ranging, you know, I mean, we know that they are in the millions, but we don't actually know how many there are. So the estimate I'm about to say, take it with a grain of salt, which you probably would anyway, (laughs) but it's estimated that they kill almost two and a half billion birds just in the United States every year. Um, And birds are one of those types of critters that rarely stay in the same place. Birds don't just sit on an island or in a protected area and never leave. So that's impossible for us to make sure that an endangered species of bird remains in a place where there are no cats.
1: So, yeah, and, and there have been, you know, as statistics, there have been some studies done to looking at the type of birds that cats look at as prey. And many of those birds are not of the protected species out there. So um, we can talk about statistics around that issue, you know, for a long time. But I would re- refer folks more to some of the research done Um. the Portland Audubon as well as there are other organizations out there that have looked at this issue with regards to the impact of community cats on bird populations. I can only talk from my own personal experience, which has been away from the scientific research and more from the anecdotal where, you know, in terms of the number of birds killed when we had populations down on the, the Newburyport waterfront, we would actually feed the birds In one location and feed the cats in another location when we had a feeding station down at the Coast Guard facility, which was in the early days, we were allowed to have a feeding station at Coast Guard facility. Currently, that's not available to organizations. But um, at that point in time, we did have um, a feeding station where we took care of the birds on one side and we had then the, uh, the, the cats on the other side. Um, we did not have many reported bird kills in, in that area. I mean, there's a lot of pigeons, a lot of seagulls in that area. But honestly, we really didn't have that much because the cats were had a feeding source. We fed them twice a day. They had shelters. And so that they were not inclined to hunt as aggressively as one might think cats would do.
0: I'm a little skeptical only because I know cats will kill even when they're not hungry. But we're going to talk more about the animal welfare argument. Like, how do you make a healthy cat when we come back from break. But I want to ask you one more question that's related to health. And that's about the fact that, you know, if if you've ever been pregnant, you know that you're always warned not to touch cat litter. And that's because cat feces often hosts a parasite known as toxoplasma gondii, and it can cause toxoplasmosis. There's no vaccine for that except for sheep. So Uh, Are you concerned at all about the the effect that may have when cats are outside using the nature and the outdoor world as their litter box?
1: No, because the rate of spread of toxoplasmosis to uh, people is much higher when you're handling raw meat. Uh, and so that is a much higher worry. I mean, I, I, I actually got tested. I was, I have two children, so I was pregnant twice and I was tested, yeah. tested for it. And cause I was certainly around plenty of litter boxes running a, a nonprofit organization and that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, and I, I never had any concerns around that issue. You're just, you know, you just are careful. And, um, so it, it really is not a major concern to me. I, have a greater concern in terms of handling meat and, and foods that way
0: okay we are going to take a break and then we will come back to talk about how to make your cat the healthiest most blissful cat ever and whether that involves them being outside or inside this is hear me out it's a podcast from slate i'm celeste headley and with me is stacy labarian host of the community cats podcast we will be back in just a moment we're back. This is Hear Me Out, a podcast from Slate. I'm Celeste Headley, and today we are talking about whether cats should live outdoors. Stacy LeBaron is an animal activist, host of the Community Cats podcast, and she says, yes, it is possible to make cats happy, a healthy part of the ecosystem, even if they are outside. And I want to talk about why this is important to you, Stacey. Um, why is it necessary to have domesticated cats outside? I don't mean because cats are animals, because, you know, the, the population of cats is incredibly high right now. It's tri- it tripled in the over the course of only 30 to 40 years um, because people like to own cats. Um, so we have an, I wouldn't say unnaturally, but an a, a, you know, a, a human-fueled increase in the population of cats, why not just keep them inside?
1: That's a great statement to understand sort of where our community is, meaning our human community, what, thinking about cats being indoor only. Um, and I think that our environment, our world, has a mindset that cats can live outside. And there is a place for them um, outdoors. I know in the United Kingdom, it's very hard to adopt a cat when you say it's going to be indoor only. They really require that you allow for an outdoor um, option for cats because it impacts their behavior. Having a cat in an an apartment, if you're not providing enough proper enrichment for that cat, it's going to have behavior issues. It's going to challenge your, you know, keep you up all night. So cats do have a need for constant stimulation. And they also, um, you know, you have to treat them a little bit differently from from that standpoint. They need to be played with. They need enrichment. They need vertical surfaces. They need horizontal surfaces, surfaces. I just did online behavior day. And and that group of feline behaviorists is really encouraging folks to keep their cats indoors. And if they're not spayed or neutered, who wants to live with an unneutered cat? Who wants to live with an unspayed cat? The cost of sterilization now for, for cats... $500 easily. So if you can't afford that, I always say there's Adam and Eve. This all starts with Adam and Eve. And if Adam you know, gets let out because he's spraying in the house and Eve gets let out because she's in heat, that's how they meet. And that's how a community colony starts. And then th- those cats are feral. They haven't been around people. They're not domestic cats. They're feral. They're unsocialized. And their behavior is not appropriate for an indoor home. And so we have working cat solutions that are options for those cats. Um, so if we can get to Adam and Eve, that all that other part of the conversation will be reduced substantially.
0: I, I, I mean, I want to go more into this—the um, idea of um, the health, the well-being of the cats themselves, because recent research has shown that cats who live their lives indoors live a lot longer than those who are even indoor/outdoor cats. I mean, dramatically, sometimes by as much as 10 to 12 years um, in terms of the difference in in lifespan. So tell me more about why you feel um, it's necessary to have that option. Why don't we just say, look, keep your cats inside?
1: So from a statistical standpoint, those statistics are inflated in the fact that 50% of uh, kittens that are born outside usually don't make it through the first year. So in terms of those numbers, if you have a cat, a community cat that's at two years, three years of age, that cat's chance at a lifespan that's quite similar to an indoor cat's um, lifespan. So when we were on the Newburyport waterfront with our uh, community cats, many of them lived to be 17, 18 years of age. So uh, it's that mortality rate of kittens that can skew your statistics a little bit. So just trying to keep that in mind. and you know, from my perspective, kittens do not belong outdoors. That's not, that is the population of cats that we want to see not existing outside. So if we can do everything in our power to prevent those kittens from being born outdoors, we're going to, we'll be super successful.
0: I mean, there are plenty of um, dangers outside that do shorten cats' lives, and I was looking at the statistics that even include those who have reached maturity, and they're still shorter lifespans. I mean, we were talking about poisons, getting hit by a car, being predated upon. Um, The the indoor cat will live longer. I I mean, it's certainly possible to dispute the statistics of how much longer, but every one that I checked, and again, even those that just looked at adult cats, the indoor cats live longer lives. Um, so I, I just wanted to, to question you more about the, the motivation for letting them outside. You know, if, there's a, if there are dangers of any kind of infection or parasite, if there are dangers to the, the wildlife, if the cat's health is better, if we're using lifespan to judge health, um, if they're inside, what is the, the upside um, for the cat owner to let the cat go outside. I mean, I'm not, again, I'm not talking about the feral cat population. I'm talking about somebody who chooses to say, I'm going to open the door and let the cat out.
1: Right. Some of it may be cultural. Oh, we've just always had cats and they've always done it this way. So it may be a cultural desire, it may be a behavioral desire. I mean, I've had many cats over the years. Some cats have no interest in going outside and the other one, other cats that are going to like dig at the door until they can get out and they'll climb through the window screens and that kind of thing. There is a campaign called Cats Safe at Home, which was also started over Mm -hmm. in Portland, Oregon, which really is trying to encourage folks to create um, catio spaces or, or you know, window seats, off windows, just looking at different alternatives of way to, ways to help enrich your cats and be able to give them some exposure, but not have them have, you know, full run of the neighborhood and, you know, be exposed to those potential um, challenges that are out there. And so, you know, th- that's another option, but I do feel there's a lot of cultural issues out there with folks saying, you know, we've always just had our cats outdoors and they come in at night and then I've never had a problem or, you know, it's just, it's sort of the way it goes. But, um, and it depends on where you're located. If you're located on the, on a highway, that's not an ideal location for an indoor outdoor cat. If you're located in a, a suburb or you've got a barn or something like that that is uh that you need to have a, a mousing resource for, then that may be an option too. Um so there cats do have this working cat history. Cats have a history of being on boats, they have a history of being in um facilities, you know, storage facilities or you know, greenhouses or farms, you know, having a farm cat. Um, and so there's this cultural tradition we have that I don't think we're fully leaving that behind.
0: Why do you think there's such a, a disagreement even among animal welfare activists on this issue? I, I just wonder why this particular issue is is so up for contentious debate. And I, and I say that um, because PETA, for example, which is definitely on the side of animals, is also definitely not on the side of having cats outdoors. Why do you think this issue is so controversial?
1: So I think that it is um a challenge because we we ultimately have this vision of what the perfect home is for our our cats, for our pets, for our children, we have this vision of a perfect life and um in my mind if the if the path to get there isn't you know a straight and clear line then we need to do what we can do our best at now i will say peta extremely supportive of spay neuter and extremely aware of the fact that there is a shortage in veterinarians technicians animal welfare advocates and workers we've got a shortage going on that we've never seen before and we need to work in our most efficient and best efforts and that i think we're all on the same page spay neuter does reduce the cat overpopulation situation. In our dream world, magical world, if we had enough access to spay neuter for all of these cats, I think many of the components of this conversation would be reduced substantially.
0: Do you think that there is a guilt on the part of cat owners when they keep them inside? Do you think cat owners sometimes feel like their cats are are trapped? (laughs) Um, That there's some kind of uh, it's something they owe to the cats to let them live a full life?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's an excellent question. And I I think that understanding the life of an indoor cat is very different now than it was maybe 20 years ago. And I think we have a long way to go with regards to that. I 20 years ago, if you told me there was something called a puzzle feeder that would stimulate and challenge and, and make my cat really think about what they're doing while I'm gone at work during the day, I would have been like, are you crazy? But they're puzzle feeders. They're all these toys that are now established to really help a cat exercise. I mean, we go to the fitness club and now we have to work on those cats. They have to have their fitness program, you know, when we're gone. (laughs) And I mean, we never had that years ago. So now there's so many more options to being able to keep a cat indoors healthily. you know, in a healthy way so that they're not becoming obese and they're not having kidney disease at a young age and diabetes at a young age. Um, And I think we have a lot of education to the general public about these options and that more cats will stop scratching at the window screens because they will be stimulated and enriched in the home.
0: I feel like it's going to be tough to get a a cat version of a dog park because (laughs) cats just don't play that well together. Um, But there is evidence um, that, the, the majority of the American population believes cats should be kept inside. You're, if you're in your ideal situation, how would cats be kept, Stacy? In other words, let's say that we handled our feral cat population, which I grant you is a very tall order. Um, let's say that we got every cat owner to be fully educated on how to keep their cats engaged inside what would be the ideal living environment for a domestic cat for both them and their environment? Right. Would it be community, indoor, outdoor? Um, so again, I mean,
1: I have to say, it depends on each individual household. Um, you know, if it, but you know, the ideal environment would be a place where cats have plenty of horizontal, horizontal and vertical enrichment space, uh, a comfort, uh, their own safe area, a place they can call their own. Um, you know, in terms of the version of the dog park, my version of the cat park is the, um, the concept where people taking cats outside on leashes. Um, and they have also mm-hmm. cat carriers strollers now too. That's a huge movement. I was just here, um, outside and I met up with a woman who had two cats on a leash outside, very comfortable sitting at a pic- picnic table. So I think we're going to see that more often for more stimulation and bringing cats out into the community that way. Um, So I think that, um, I think there is an ideal world for that. I don't know what the world looks like if we don't have cats in the community space. How does that affect the ecosystem? I don't know what's going to happen. If you took outdoor cats out of the ecosystem, I don't know what other species is going to come forward. Maybe it's rats. Maybe it's some other animal that's going to become, you know, a- an animal that is overgrown in population. And then our next conversation will be, the, you know, about rats and what to do about rats.
0: <laughs> I mean, fair enough. Although pet rats, I will say, are extremely adorable. Um, <laughs> so before I let you go, Stacy. I want to ask you if there's another opinion that you've heard. Um, I mean, you, I'm sure you have this discussion with other people. You know that your opinion is controversial. Um, so I'm wondering if there's another opinion, a controversial opinion that you have heard where that have made you question that person's judgment, right? Have you heard anybody express an opinion where you thought, how could you possibly think that?
1: Well, I think the, the thing that baffles me the most is that there's um, this idea that if you just, Remove them all; the world will be a beautiful place. Um, and I just feel that that's um, that's not as realistic as maybe also saying right now getting every community cat spayed and neutered. I think those are both maybe two sides of the spectrum. And where can we come together in the middle and say, you know, what is it we can do to build, you know, one day at a time to create a model like the Newburyport, Massachusetts model? throughout every community. Small is beautiful. It's one community at a time, one block at a time. And let's just sort of take those small communities, work on that and and build from there. But nothing surprises me to be honest in this world, (laughs)
0: really. First of all, thanks to Stacey LeBaron for talking about this issue. I kid you not when I say it is so controversial and fraught an issue that it wasn't easy to find somebody who, first of all, really knew what they were talking about, but also was willing to come on and defend the position that cats can be outdoors and not be a damage to society. I, I mean, there are many arguments Stacy made um, that I think are good and give me food for thought. But I'm not convinced. I am on the cats are furry eco terrorist side, and and I'm not sure that our conversation has nudged me away from that particular area. I am not a cat owner, so this might change if I had a cat of my own and I was trying to make them happy, but I have had a cat living in my house when my roommate owned one and he was perfectly engaged and just as much a menace inside as he would be probably outside. It's just no birds died and he's healthy. And happy. So I gotta say, I'm I'm part of the keep your cat inside community. But where do you stand? I have to assume you have an opinion on this because so many people do. Let us know what you think. Remember, you can find advice on all kinds of pet ownership at Faux Paws on Slate.com all week. There's a link in the show notes. Hear Me Out is a podcast from Slate. The show is produced by Maura Curry. Ben Richmond is the Senior Director of Podcast Operations. And Alicia Montgomery is VP of Slate Audio. I'm your host, Celeste Headley. Until next time, speak your mind, but keep it open.